Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, it 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays, wherever you may be, across this country or around the world. We have got a lot of positive news breaking as it pertains to the world of sports inching closer and closer back to return. I'll get to that here momentarily, but first I want to start with the latest on the coronavirus in general to give you some sense of positivity On Tuesday, we hit 10 straight days of lower new daily cases since we hit a peak on April 4th. That doesn't mean that every day since April 4th has been down, but we have been 10 straight days beneath the peak set on April 4th. That is incredibly strong evidence that we have already peaked and we have begun the uh, backward side of the overall growth rate of the coronavirus. That would suggest that the worst of this will be over by the end of April, and by mid-May or so, we can be close to this thing being completely done. Okay? That is pretty fantastic. And if you're wondering, okay, well, how does that contextualize in a larger universe? Uh, That is, how does it look outside the rest of the country? 
Well, uh, there's lots of things like this also reflecting in Europe right now. Uh, and let me go ahead and hit you with, uh, with this, um, which, is, uh, which is, again, pretty incredible to think about when you see the numbers that have broken already in Europe. Germany, Italy, uh, and Spain are all getting close to being through their breakouts. Uh, let me explain. Uh, Italy just hit the lowest number of new daily cases since March 13th. That was when their outbreak was still growing. Germany just hit their lowest number since March 16th. And Spain just hit their lowest number since March 22nd. So we are seeing a massive, massive positive move around the world in both Europe and the United States uh, as the coronavirus is receding. And as it is receding uh, here at the midway point of April, a lot of sports leagues are starting to poke their heads up and make decisions. Uh, according to, and I'm reading from a report, according to, I believe it's Golf Digest uh, that, uh, that went out last night. It is indeed Golf Digest. The PGA is set to announce, and they broke this news about uh, the Masters in November, and they broke the news about the U.S. Open in September and the PGA in August. They are set, the PGA Tour is, to announce a return to play on June the 11th. So less than two months from now, the PGA is saying they are going to come back on June 11th. Dana White is saying that he's planning on a UFC event in early May. So after a long time of uh, sports not existing at all, we have got major news there. As if that were not enough, Donald Trump in his press conference yesterday announced that he was setting up a new committee to talk about reopening America. And on that new committee to reopen America is every major sports league commissioner. Adam Silver from the NBA, Roger Goodell from the NFL, Gary Bettman from the NHL, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Rob Manfred from Major League Baseball. Basically, every major commissioner is going to be on this group uh, discussing reopening America in conjunction with three specific owners that it must be Donald Trump has decent relationships with and or wants to make sure that he gets their personal opinions. And those three commissioners are Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots, and Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks. So all of the sports league commissioners plus those three owners are all going to be on a committee. Reports are that that call is taking place today for Donald Trump to speak with all of those people and start to get their feedback on how you open back up America. Over 30 of the, uh, of the states continue to have a very limited number of cases and or deaths. We'll talk about that in a moment here. But first, here was Donald Trump talking about the importance of getting back to sports. In sports, we want to get our sports back. So importantly, these will be some separate calls. Some will be together, by the way, lists, and some will be separate. 
But we have to get our sports back. I'm tired of watching baseball games that are 14 years old. The NBA, Adam Silver, the Major League Baseball. We miss our baseball. This is baseball season right here. Rob Manford, thank you very much. NFL, Roger Goodell, thank you, Roger. UFC, Dana White, great Dana White. PGA, Jay Moynihan. LPGA, Michael Wan. USTA, Patrick Galbraith. Major League Soccer, Don Garber. WWE, the great Vince McMahon. NASCAR, Lisa Kennedy. Thank you, Lisa. NHL, Gary Bettman. From the New England Patriots, Bob Kraft, Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban. So that is a pretty strong commitment to the idea that sports need to come back. Another interesting part that is out there, we've talked for a while about the necessity of having um, sort of randomized testing and or antibody testing. Major League Baseball players are involved in a random test as well. You're not going to know about whether or not a specific player is testing positive for having had the coronavirus at some point, but you will get a better sense for how many people in general have had the coronavirus. Um, And you may be out there saying, well, why does that matter? Why would Major League Baseball want to be involved? The more people who have had the coronavirus and or have the antibodies, the better it is for the country because it speaks to potentially the lethality of this virus not being as high as many initially feared. We know that the coronavirus is far less lethal than the initial reports were But we don't know how many people have potentially had this virus and never knew that they had it because they have an asymptomatic version of the virus. Asymptomatic, of course, means you don't show any symptoms at all. And there are a lot of different percentages about how high that could be, up to 50% potentially, uh, according to Dr. Fauci. Some people are saying uh, in some studies that it could be as high as as 75% of the people who get the coronavirus in general never even know that they have it, well, that would suggest that way more people potentially have had the coronavirus than realize it. And also, as a result, that would mean that a much lower percentage of people who get the coronavirus actually die. It would also mean that as we go back to work, and that is the focus now, is putting us back to work, that it's likely, it's likely out here that uh, that there could be some analysis there that is uh, that is fairly significant, which would suggest that our spread might not be as likely to return as maybe people fear. If if there is a possibility of that occurring, now there's been a lot of talk about overall numbers and whatnot, but it's really pretty wild how many places have 10 or fewer uh, right now cases of deaths on a day-to-day basis, which are the states that are most likely to come back. And Donald Trump said yesterday in his press conference, there were as many as 29 states that he thought were pretty much ready to be able to be uh, to be coming back to, uh, to, to, to more of a normal world where they're going to start to open back up in a substantial way. 
Uh, and granted, look, New York has got all sorts of issues. The surrounding community of New York uh, does as well with New Jersey and Connecticut, the bedroom community, so to speak, from New York City. But the rest of the country is not New York. And there are a lot of different angles to, to examine in this outbreak. But one of them is why did New York get so bad and the rest of the United States was nowhere near the situation of New York. New York has almost 11,000 deaths from the coronavirus. No other state right now has more than 2,800, and that's New Jersey, which is directly connected to New York. Uh, Michigan has had a rough go of it. Louisiana has had a rough go of it. There are only four states right now with over 1,000 deaths in the entirety of the country. Most of you out there are looking around saying it's not very bad where we are. Uh, And by the way, I think we need to give Texas, the state of Texas and their governor. I know a lot of people have focused on the things that have gone bad. Texas has got a massive, huge, unbelievable population. And their state and their governor has handled this outbreak for big states better than anybody. People want to talk about California. People want to talk about uh, Washington, the West Coast, and everything else. But Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, and I'm not just saying this because he's also a Vanderbilt law grad, he's done the best job of any governor in the country if you look at the population of his state and the low level of deaths and infection that have been there. Texas is not very far away from being ready to open. And I got to tell you this. When I hear Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of California, talking about how afraid uh, the state of California is about opening back up and the way that that could impact sports, I really start to wonder how many local California-based professional sports teams are going to relocate and play somewhere else as these leagues come back online. Let me just talk about the NFL, for example. In the NFL, you got three different teams, right? You got uh, the 49ers, and then you've got the two LA teams that play uh, in California. If you look at how much better Texas has done than anywhere else in the country, including California, I really think there's a decent chance that if California is talking about continuing to keep its people locked up and not letting people get out and about, I really believe there's a decent chance that the NFL franchises could relocate either to potentially Las Vegas or the state of Texas. Because you got San Antonio sitting down there that could very easily host an NFL team. You've got Austin, Texas that could probably do the same. The facilities in Houston and Dallas are pretty fantastic. You could even have more than one team playing there. I think a lot of the states that have less significant outbreaks and are more readily wanting to be able to get back to work are going to be suggesting to the pro sports franchises in the state of California, hey, we could host you. Why don't you just relocate your pro sports franchise if they're not going to allow you to work uh, and or play your games, other states are ready to host you. And I think this is going to turn into 
a very likely scenario where we're not going to have suddenly you snap your fingers and everybody opens in the same way everywhere simultaneously. I think instead what you're likely to end up with is sort of a rolling open where different states and different communities open if they've had a less significant outbreak. And so as a result, I think a lot of places are going to be open come May 4th, which is the first Monday after the stay at home comes to a close in April. And I will say this, and I want a lot of you to think about it. I tweeted this out yesterday. The initial justification for all of us to stay at home was we wanted to ensure that we didn't overload hospitals anywhere in the country. And so far, that is clear that we are not going to do that. New York ended up using a fraction of the beds that they thought they were going to need. They, they didn't hardly need the ship that we brought in. They didn't hardly need the Javits Center to be redone. That's a, a, a positive thing that we ended up with around 18,500 or 19,000 beds occupied as opposed to over 140,000 beds, which is what the experts had forecast. Since we're not going to overload healthcare anywhere in the country, it doesn't appear that we're going to run out of ventilators, doesn't appear that we're going to run out of beds. Has anybody else out there noticed that the conversation has now shifted from we've got to stop and avoid overloading hospitals to now the discussion is, oh, we can't do anything until we have a vaccine. Well, on Monday, we had a great interview with a guy in Dr. Falo at the University of Pittsburgh who is working on a vaccine. And certainly, I, along with all of you, hope one day we have a vaccine. But we can't hold the country up for a year while we wait potentially for a vaccine to be cleared by the FDA. Moreover, only half of the people in the country even bother to get a flu shot every year. And we try to come up with a vaccine for the flu every year, and it kills tens of thousands of people every single year, and most of us don't even change our behavior at all. I understand if you are afraid of the coronavirus, but we can't stop our lives because the coronavirus exists. It's time to get back to work in this country. By May 4th, the Monday after the national shutdown is over, the vast majority of people in the vast majority of states need to be able to get back to work because on Thursday, that's tomorrow, we're going to get the latest unemployment report and it's certain, basically, that over 20 million people are going to have lost their jobs. We have created the Great Depression by our own choice. More people have lost their jobs more rapidly in the last two months than did during the worst days of the Great Depression. We got to get America back to work. And sports are a huge part of America getting back to work. Now, we are kicking this coronavirus's ass, but I'm a little bit nervous about the total fear that I see. If you are totally terrified of the coronavirus, that's your right. But the rest of us, have to go outside and start working again and make sure that we don't allow 
our battle against the coronavirus to create more health issues elsewhere uh, from when it comes to depression, suicide, uh, uh, kids not being able to eat because mom and dad don't have enough money, people not being able to pay for their rent, for their, uh, for their car payments. I mean, look, unemployment creates a massive number of health issues, more even, I believe, than the coronavirus itself does. So I'm an optimist. I'm telling you here, we're kicking the coronavirus's ass. Sports needs to be back sooner rather than later. It's time for there to be more Dana Whites out there in the world of sports who are trying to find ways to get sports back. This is a can-do country. I give credit to Dana White, but there are a lot of sports leagues out there that are still curled up in the fetal position instead of being aggressive and making smart decisions for their leagues, which also benefit the country. It's time for the NBA, for Major League Baseball, for the NHL, for all of their commissioners, for all of their players, MLS, NASCAR, to join the PGA and give us a return date and get America working again. I'll open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. We haven't done that all week. I'll allow you guys to weigh in on a variety of subjects. How about yesterday? We didn't even have time to react to it. How about the beatdown that I put on Peter King? Credit to Peter King at NBC for coming on the show. But my God, he was so unprepared. The guy has been ripping me for years in his column and online unsolicited. I didn't even know him at all. That's why I started off our interview yesterday with why do you not like me? I've not gotten more feedback from an interview in a very, very long time from you guys. And I think what that represented, and this is a larger flaw, not just of Peter King, but of our our universe today, and certainly of the way people talk in America today in a social media era. We often have people with 20-foot-tall opinions that are one inch deep. We believe things so massively To such a high level, you stand and you look at it, oh my God, that opinion is 20 feet high. It's so certain. There's so much to it. And then you find out it's one inch deep. I think that's what a lot of you realized about Peter King. When I actually went head to head with him in a debate, he didn't have any depth to back up any of his opinions. He was like a cardboard cutout that I just punched right through And a lot of you saw how little substance there was to his opinions. He's felt comfortable ripping me to the high heavens. He's felt comfortable ripping Donald Trump to the high heavens about the coronavirus. But when he actually came on the show and I pushed him on what he believed and why he believed it, he wasn't very well informed and he believed things that weren't true. And so... Again, this is a big problem in the country today, and I think a lot of times athletics reflects it because we give a lot of praise to coaches and players and people who aren't very well informed for having strong opinions that are 20 feet tall and one inch deep. And so as soon as you ask them to explain the rationale or the logic behind their opinions, they flounder because It's popular on social media to have strong opinions, but social media doesn't require any depth of opinion at all. 
all you have to do is come out and say something powerful and strong but when you actually look to see if there's any substance if there's any foundation if there's any depth behind those opinions you get exposed like Peter King did I was stunned when he came on the show how poorly thought out his opinions were and I don't know who he thought he was going to go talk to I don't did he think he was going to go talk to some stupid normal sports talk radio guy who isn't that smart and doesn't have that much substance behind his opinions? He must have. I mean, Peter King can go on most sports talk radio shows across the country and nobody's going to call him on his BS. But if you listen to that interview, and if you didn't listen to that interview, maybe we need to replay it later this week. It's out there on social media. You can certainly go download the podcast, as I know many of you did, in hour three. Let me go ahead and bring in the crew. Peter King wasn't ready for what hit him, was he, Danny G? No, he didn't sound like he had anything in front of him. And, you know, you have to have some notes, I would think, in front of you if you're going to call to debate Do you think he somebody. just disrespected the fact that I was actually pretty good at standing up for what I believe? I mean, like, to his credit, he was willing to go on and talk with somebody he disagreed with. To his discredit, he wasn't very smart about what he believed. Yeah, I mean, I give him a ton of credit for calling in and joining the show because, as you know, and it affects me booking guests a oh, lot. People are terrified of coming on the show because because I don't I don't tiptoe up to people, right? There are some out there in the media who are like you and they feel like they're on top of their game and they don't mind joining you. There are others who, I'll say this, sometimes I send out emails and I just say outkick the coverage because I know if I put your name first, <laughs> I'm going to get an, an automatic no <laughs> because your bark is worse than your bite as far as because you've never confronted a guest in a, you know, in a disrespectful manner. I think I manner. was totally respectful of Peter King. I mean, I just think that it's important. Like conflict is not a bad thing. There's a lot of people out there who try to avoid conflict. To me, conflict is necessary very often in an adversarial way that's what we do with the legal system right when we have two different sides we believe based on the history of the court system that the best way to get to the truth is by having two different sides argue their respective positions and that requires you to strengthen the essence of your opinion and also to prove in the marketplace of ideas in, in, in both a larger society but also in court which side we believe has the best argument. And what surprises me very often is the people who want to argue against whatever I believe are certainly entitled to that belief. But most of them aren't smart enough to even make the best argument for their side. Like yesterday when Peter King said uh, Donald Trump is the most dangerous person in the world uh, in his lifetime. He tweeted that out. And then he also came on our show and said, well, I think if we hadn't done anything, 2.2 million people would have died of the coronavirus. Well, if we're going to end up with around 50,000-ish coronavirus deaths, that means Donald Trump, in conjunction with the mayors and the governors out there, has saved over 2 million lives with his response to the coronavirus. That's the logical next step from what Peter King believes, yet he felt comfortable believing that Donald Trump is the most dangerous person that has existed in the world in his life. 
that doesn't even count Osama bin Laden or Kim Jong-un or a lot of other people who have sworn to kill Americans. Donald Trump has saved over 2.2 million lives by Peter King's own logic, and yet his thoughts don't add up. Again, 20 feet tall and inch deep. Dub, that was kind of a destruction of Peter King, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, I hope he didn't check his mentions after he came on the radio show. Yeah, I was honestly a little surprised at his uh, preparation level there because, I mean, he for such a you know renowned NFL He's reporter. He's an incredibly would... prominent media member. Millions Absolutely. of followers, supposedly millions of readers of his column, has felt comfortable ripping me in his column for years, going on social media and ripping me. And frankly, he looked like a third grader when he came on the show and tried to make arguments. Yeah, I was ready for this to be a real primetime battle. You know, I, I was I was sitting back here in Nashville in the studio, and you know, we had the twenty five minute block set up for you two to go at it, and it, you know, it was a little one sided for my liking, to be quite honest. I mean, I felt like I was a boxer who's been training for a heavyweight fight for years, and suddenly they put like an eighth grader in the ring with me. That's what I felt like talking to Peter King. Eddie, were you disappointed in Peter King? The depth of his knowledge, considering how strong his opinions are. Yeah, I, I also thought it would be a little bit um, of a verbal battle back and forth. I mean, like we talked about, he's been in this business for a long time. I, I know he hasn't really, he's more of a writer than he is a radio guy, although he does have, I guess, a podcast. Um, but he didn't he w- didn't seem too skilled on the mic, so to speak. I wonder if he knew you, you were a former lawyer and, uh, you know, at one time thought you were going to have a career in you know, uh, orally presenting facts and uh, debating and things like that because, uh, I don't know, I was surprised he came on, to be honest with you. I, I was very surprised. I was surprised he came, he came on too, but I was particularly surprised at how bad he was when he came on. Because, I mean, it's a national show. I mean... Well, if you're going to agree to do something like that, you better be ready because you're going to embarrass yourself if you're not. He wasn't ready. Yeah. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, Tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Hymns Sex Chews and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hymns has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting Getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros. That's H I M S dot com slash two pros for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash two pros. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Sex choose are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. You make every play, you call every shot, from choosing trusted financial products to deciding how much and how long to invest, GameBridge puts the power in your hands. No wonder they've earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their general tires test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix joins us now. Appreciate you getting up early with us, my man. What's the latest on the NBA's plans potentially to come back? Are you optimistic, pessimistic, or simply don't know enough right now to have a strong read on this? Yeah, I still think it it remains in the latter category. Um, you know, one thing that's pretty clear is that the NBA knows what it wants to do. Um, it's pretty sure how long it's going to take to hold a training camp to, you know, send players to Vegas, which I'm I'm reasonably sure is is where it's going to take place. I think I've heard that Mandalay Bay is uh, a possibility. With people familiar with Vegas, know it's connected to the Four Seasons, and there's a, a bit of isolation on that side of the Strip. Yep. Um, so uh, I think they've got a plan in place. They just can't even consider implementing it until uh, until these things until things dramatically change. I mean, they 
it's been said before, and it bears saying again, they're not going to do anything until they can get testing in, in mass production. And that's, that's really the benchmark to, to having a realistic possibility of restarting the NBA season. What's their time frame? Well, I, I think the reevaluation process begins in, in probably the first two weeks of May. I think that's when they would like to get guys back into practice facilities and, and start the process of getting them back into shape. I mean, I think that's a, a big hurdle for the NBA to cross as well. I mean, they've got to get guys, uh, you know, moving again. I saw Jason Tatum on TV the other day saying he hadn't picked up a ball in a month. And I've yeah. talked to a number of different players who have said something similar to that. So uh, they've got to get these guys back into facilities so they can work out on their own first and then start this process moving. So I think, you know, they're, they're not trying to, to – to push this one way or the other. But I think in the first two weeks of May, you're going to see them make some some serious decisions. We're talking to Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix. Um, as you look at the first couple of weeks of May, let's say that they decide they want to do it. Uh, reports are that they could take, like you said, uh, I saw Brian Windhorst say 11 days to get players back in shape and then 14 days of potentially basically training camp almost uh, for the teams. Is that what you're hearing as well? Something around 25 days ish before they could play games once they get people back training and working? Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I've been writing for a few weeks that you know, with players on and off the record who have told me that you know, anywhere from four to six weeks is something they'd prefer to get themselves into playing shape, but they would settle for three to four, and that that fits into that window with a a training camp and and a basically a broken down preseason uh, of some kind. So that, that fits into the window of something that the players would accept. It's going to be a negotiation. Of course. I mean, they've, the NBA has got to have to talk to the players union and they are talking to them. One thing that, one thing I I respect about Adam Silver is that he's kept the the union involved every step of the way with all this. And there's not going to be any, you know, kind of gotcha aha moments with, with the NBA and its union. So, yeah, I, I think the 25-day the window is probably enough. Players would prefer more, but they also understand that, you know, those checks are going to keep getting garnished in the coming weeks, so they want to get back out on the floor. Uh, what does it look like if they come back? Are we going straight to the postseason? Is there any sort of finishing of the regular season? What do you think is most likely what kind of conversations are existing and taking place there? Well, I think it all depends on how much time they have. In an ideal world, there'd be anywhere from a 5-10 to game finish to the regular season where some of the seedings could be determined and the team jockeying for for a playoff spot, particularly in the Western Conference where there's a handful of teams that are are fighting for spots, uh, that could be decided. But the NBA also knows that you know it, it seems highly unlikely that city-to-city travel is going to be something they could pull off. I mean, really the only way they can pull anything off is to have uh, have everything in one central location. And that may mean sacrificing the end of the regular season and you know, saying to the teams that are on the outside looking in that want to fight, teams like, uh, like New Orleans, of course, which is just, I think, right on the outside um, of Memphis, uh, saying, you, you know, sorry, you're not going to make the postseason this year. We've just got to do what we've got to do. So uh, I think if it was doable, they'd love to squeeze a few games in the regular season. But most people I talk to believe that more likely than not, we see this go straight to a postseason. 
Who benefits? If I know this is a crazy question because we've never seen anything like this from a precedent perspective, but if they end up just going into the postseason, do you see it as basically being the same sort of best teams that would have existed when we suddenly stopped play in early May? Sorry, early March would then be, be you know the best teams as we come into the summer and go into the postseason? Or are there teams that have benefited? I mean, let me give you an example. Is it possible Kevin Durant could decide to come back and play, for instance, with the Nets? Uh, are there guys that have been injured? Are there teams that could look somehow fundamentally different in you know July and August in a postseason that wouldn't have looked that way if the normal NBA postseason was taking place right now in April and May? You know, it's it's a good question. It's one that's really hard to to accurately answer. I, I had Rich Kleiman on my podcast that's out today. He's the manager of Kevin Durant, and I asked him that very same question, and he said, I promise you I haven't had that conversation uh, with Kevin Durant. So I guess theoretically the door is open, though it doesn't make it, – it really doesn't make any sense for Kevin Durant, who just a year ago kind of rushed his body back into a pressure situation – to do the exact same thing, you know, for a team that you know, really doesn't have a chance to win a championship this year. So I, I find it extremely unlikely that Durant would be back. And, you know, everything else, I mean, I, I think seedings are probably irrelevant at this point, but I don't know who benefits here. I mean, in a, in a vacuum, I would say, okay, well, there are players in cold weather climates that can't play outdoors players in warm weather climates can like maybe yeah. like they're like I, I guess there's that i mean i would have thought that younger players might benefit from uh you know basically just having a little bit of uh, a better response time to their bodies coming back than older players do but then you see guys like tatum not playing and you know Giannis is playing on a guitar up in milwaukee i mean there's just there's just nothing there's no way to to, to kind of discern um how these guys are going to come back what we will know is in that kind of first, you know, few games, whether it's the postseason or the end of a regular season, you're going to get a cl- pretty clear idea. You're going to see some players in just awful condition who are just a shell of their former selves, and you're going to see some guys that are just way ahead of the curve at this point that are, are playing good basketball. So uh, I, I don't think there's a way to decide it, but uh, I think we'll know pretty quickly when they come back. Is anybody going to be Sean Kemp? Do you remember, uh, for people yeah, out there yeah. who are uh, who are younger and may not remember, the NBA had a, I don't remember if it was a lockout or a walkout yeah. or whatever it was, but, I mean, Sean Kemp came back and he had put on like 50, I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, you didn't even reckon, the fat Sean Kemp should be like a meme that's everywhere on the internet for just a jaw-dropping sports thing when you suddenly saw him back on the court. Do you think there's any guys that are going to be fat Sean Kemp-like? Maybe not that bad, but when they come back, they're just like, they, they don't even look like themselves? The, the short answer is yes. Um, you know, Sean Kemp, that, I believe that was the 99-2000 lockout, which extended, if I'm not mistaken, into like December-January of that year. It's the year they had like, back-to-back-to-back games, and we're stuffing stuff in. and So he had about six months to get into that kind of, quote, shape yeah. uh, for, for playing. So I don't know if it'll be that bad, but I think you will see more than a few players who are, are, are looking like that. I mean, it's just uh, – I, I hope they're not eating in that way, but I know that they can't, they can't do anything. I mean, you really can't stay in, in basketball shape doing Zoom workouts and you know working out on Pelotons as often as you can. So – uh, I think that that you'll see you'll see somebody come back who will be 
the Sean Kemp of this generation. Maybe not as big, but they will be defined by that. We're talking to Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix. And by the way, for people out there who don't remember it, look it up. But Sean Kemp, it wasn't just that he put on a lot of weight. It was that beforehand he was one of the most athletic skywalking players in the entire NBA and then he came back and he looked like he had ate another Sean Kemp. I mean, it was it was one of the most unbelievable, like, oh, my God, moments you've ever seen. Also, we didn't have social media, so there was like you hadn't seen him, and then suddenly he showed up, and it was like he wasn't the same human anymore. Um, if we could poll NBA players, like let's pretend that NBA players all come and vote. And again, this is hypothetical, but you talk to a lot of NBA players, coaches, and whatnot. What percentage of NBA players do you think want to return and finish this year? Oh, I think uh, you know, close to a hundred. You know, yeah. and, and it really, it really comes down to money. I mean, you're going to see. I, from what I'm able to understand, one of the reasons that there was no garnishment of the April 15th paychecks today um, is because you know some of the the much higher paid players were. I mean, there was this, this is a negotiation how much you were going to take out of those checks, and some of the higher paid players really didn't want to see that big a percentage taken out. Uh, it's going to happen May 1st, one way or the other. So it, these guys want to come back to avoid that. I mean, I, I don't think there's any kind of nostalgia for making sure that there's a 74th champion in NBA history. Or, you know, in the case of a guy like LeBron, I'm sure one way or the other, he wants to finish this season to try to get that ring. But for, for the vast majority of these guys, it's all about money. The NBA uh, controls a, a decent amount of their pay for the rest of this uh, this fiscal year. So they want to come back and make sure that those checks, they keep coming. What are you hearing that they might lose? So let's pretend that the NBA doesn't come back. Uh, are NBA players going to lose 20% of their yearly salary? Like, I don't know, and I imagine a lot of players don't really know, uh, but what what kind of garnishment are we talking about if they if the season is called? Yeah, it's, it's a little unclear at this point. I don't think it'll be as high as... 20%, maybe anywhere from 10 to 15%. Again, this is something that they're, they're like, as we speak, I think, still talking to the union about uh, to, to figure out what the right number is going to be. But um, I don't think it'll be that high. Remember, there was only, what, you know, 20 games left in the regular season, so half the league would be done, you know, right about now. Uh, so so that, that works in the favor of the players uh, but at the same time, the, the networks make the most money uh, in the playoffs with, with some of that advertising. So that there's a significant amount lost there. So I think that anywhere from 10 to 15% right now sounds right. Uh, we're talking to Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix. Um, have you heard any further discussions? And this isn't just an NBA question, but I'm kind of fascinated by it in general. These force majeure clauses that uh, that theoretically could be at play in many different contracts relating to the games. You mentioned the networks. It seems to me the easiest way to handle suddenly if these leagues don't come back is the networks bear half of the risk and the leagues bear half of the risk. So far, I, my understanding is the networks have continued to pay as if the yep. leagues are fulfilling their obligations and have not yet demanded that they get a share back. Have you heard anything further about those discussions, and what do you think ends up happening between networks and leagues? Well, I have not heard that part of it, though I have been asking similar questions to that about how this all gets gets sorted out. And I'm not overly familiar with the TV business, but one thing that league executives have told me is 
if this whole if this whole thing gets squashed, if they wind up not playing this year, they're going to have to do do make goods with these networks into the next year. And you know, however that kind of manifests itself, they're going to try to they're going to have to find some way of making it up to ESPN and Turner, even the regional networks that are out there losing money as a result of this. So it won't come in the form of okay, let's just cut you a check at the end of of August. To, to make up the difference, but going into the 2021 season, uh, they're going to find a way, or they'll have to find a way to make it up to them. So I, I think that's that's likely to happen. I mean, look, uh, you know, we saw DAZN do this, and, and they're the only network to date that's not paying those those license fees. The problem with with not paying these fees is that we're coming up on a renegotiation of those TV contracts, and I don't think any one of these networks, ESPN, Turner. You know, even though they're, they should be well within their rights to not pay, I don't think they want to piss off the NBA at a time when they're trying to regain those rights. 100% right. Chris Mannix, final segment, Hour 2. Up next, this is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Good news in the coronavirus universe. We have now managed for 10 straight days to have a lower number of new total daily cases than existed on April 4th in this country. Why does that matter? It suggests that we have basically stopped the spread of the coronavirus and have begun to descend the backside of our coronavirus curve, that deaths have plateaued, and that the total newly cases total new cases are beginning to decline as well which means if you're a sports fan we could theoretically have sports sooner rather than later in this country Dana White working hard hoping by May 9th to have another UFC fight the PGA going to announce today I believe it is according to Golf Digest that they intend to return on June 11th. You just heard us in hour two talking with Chris Mannix about what the NBA's plans would be, Major League Baseball, the NHL, NASCAR, all of these different sports trying to find ways to get back sooner rather than later. And a big part of getting back sooner rather than later is the support that's given to you by your state. The state of Florida under Governor Ron DeSantis has been incredibly uh, aggressive in trying to get people able to watch sports again. And the WWE has been named an essential business in the state of Florida, which allows the WWE to stop taping their events and start to do their events live. And as part of that discussion surrounding the WWE's uh, being labeled an essential business, and by the way, I think all businesses are essential for purposes of the people who work there, Kind of important that every business gets back to work. We had a big discussion about this yesterday on the program, what's essential and what's non-essential surrounding the fact that ice cream stores and cupcake stores are still open. I don't think most people out there are like, oh, it's essential that I be able to walk into an ice cream store or a cupcake shop. They have managed to stay open. I think all businesses in most states need to be open starting May 4th. We got to get back to work in this country. But I think sports provides us an interesting window here. Ron DeSantis at Florida is doing whatever he can. Uh, In fact, he even argued on top of the WWE, hey, NASCAR, come down to Florida. If you can put a race on without crowds present, we'll let you do it live. Hey, 
Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, if you can get a golf match done, we'll let you do it live. They even went on, uh, members of the Florida State government did, and hopped onto Twitter and immediately tagged Dana White and said, hey, Florida is open for business. We'll let you do your UFC fights down here. That flies in the face of what just happened in the state of California where politicians put pressure on Disney and forced Dana White and the UFC not to have their UFC fight this weekend, which was scheduled to take place on Saturday. Instead, the state of California is combating returning to business as normal. And I know a lot of people right now are waking up with me uh, on the West Coast right now. And you are rolling out of bed and you are going to do whatever you do on a day-to-day basis. As many of you are working and we appreciate you driving all over the country. Uh, We appreciate you going into hospitals, going into grocery stores, doing all of the jobs that are essential all over this country. But I watched Gavin Newsom in his press conference yesterday and he was talking about the fact that until there's a vaccine, We may not be able to basically go back to work in California. And we've already seen other California uh, politicians basically shoot down the idea of having sporting events in the state in any way. I saw the, the head of Santa Clara government say that he didn't think that there could be live sports in the state until after uh, Thanksgiving. And I was like, are you kidding me? And yesterday when I saw Gavin Newsom talk, He was talking about not being able to go back to schools in a normal way come August and September, not this year, the next year. And I saw CNN tweet out, hey, people aren't going to be able to have their normal lives until 2022 because there might not be a vaccine until 2022. And I'm sitting around like, oh my God, are you people, have you people lost your mind? Look, life requires risk. And Everybody out there, I think, would almost to a man and woman agree with me that when we went into lockdown mode, when we shut down this country in mid-March, it's now been a month, basically, and I'm fine with finishing out this month. That will be six weeks where we basically turn the economy off. But the argument for why we were doing this was pretty straightforward. It was, we need to avoid overloading the hospitals. Do you remember that argument? We want to make sure that when we peak, we don't overload the hospitals in this country. Well, guess what? We've peaked and we didn't overload the hospitals in this country. Now I'm starting to see people like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, say, well, until there's a vaccine, we can't get back to work. No, no. No, that is a different argument. If you are so fearful that you don't want to leave your house, your apartment, or your condo, that is your right. Nobody has to work in America. You can stay in your house, apartment, or condo wherever you live, and you can stay curled up in the fetal position, and you can pull the covers over your head, and you can sit there and stay in that position as long as you want to. That's your right as an American. But that ain't most people. Most people in this country want to go back to work. And if there are politicians stopping us from going back to work, 
and getting our economy rolling again. And if there are politicians that are stopping sports leagues and guys like Dana White from getting back to work, guess what? They need to give the Heisman to those politicians and say, guess what? I'll take my business elsewhere. They need to make those politicians wear it. If they are in California, I mean, think about this. Gavin Newsom decided that you guys shouldn't be able to watch the UFC on Saturday. And he and other politicians put the screws on Disney, which is in a really tough spot right now, Disney is, because they want to get Disney World back open. They want to get Disneyland back open. They want to get their movies and television shows back under production. They're based in California. So if California politicians put the screws on them about whether or not this UFC event's going to happen or not, I don't blame Disney for being uh, in the position of having to put their own pressure on Dana White. But I'm a can-do kind of guy. I got to give credit to the state of Florida and Ron DeSantis for doing the exact opposite of what California is doing. They actually went on Twitter and they're trying to recruit Dana White. They say, hey man, you don't need an island. You can come to Florida and get back to work here. Not saying with huge crowds present. Just saying, hey, we'll allow you to produce your show live here in the state of Florida. Put on your fight. It's a can-do attitude as opposed to a can't-do attitude. And what I'm starting to see is not enough people are pushing back on what is a pretty significant shift in the justification for why you don't have sports and why you got to stay in your house. I'm willing to buy in and did buy in and have been telling you for weeks to do this. It's a smart play to avoid overloading the hospitals. But we're not overloading the hospitals. In fact, all the experts that told us we were going to overload the hospitals have been completely wrong. They said the state of New York would need 140,000 beds in that state. We brought in that big ship from the Navy, parked it, birthed it right there in New York City, right off Manhattan. We built in the Javits Convention Center a huge brand new hospital. Army Corps of Engineers did. Props to all those guys and girls and how hard they worked. They built that brand new hospital. Basically, that ship and that brand new hospital haven't been needed hardly at all because they said 140,000 hospital beds were going to be needed. Instead, turns out it's around 18,500 or 19,000. That's a big miss. Hey, we're going to need 140,000. It turns out you only need 19,000. It's one seventh, less than one seventh of the forecast of what they were going to need. It's a good thing. Means less people got the coronavirus, means there's less overall illness. That's a good problem to have. New York has peaked. Better that we're in a shape right there where we could have handled all the overflow. But the result is nowhere is anybody not going to have enough ventilators. Nowhere are we not going to have enough hospital beds. So we have blunted that peak. But remember, blunting the peak does not mean that less people get sick. A lot of people don't understand this. If you look at that graph, and it looks kind of like a pyramid if it peaks in an aggressive way, and it looks more like kind of a small hill 
if it doesn't, Mountain versus Hill, the same number of people still get sick. It's just spread out over a longer period of time. Well, I'm starting to see people like Governor Newsom in California argue, no, 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 no. The goal wasn't to blunt hospitals anymore. It's now that until there's a vaccine, we can't go back to work. I ain't playing that game, Governor Newsom. You already shut down the UFC, which I think was a bad move. I watched your press conference and you came out and said, we either need a vaccine or herd immunity. Well, you can't get herd immunity unless the herd is actually circulating. So the logic behind your decision-making is not in play here. And I understand credit to people all over this country, California and beyond, who made the decision, hey, we're going to listen to our leaders and try to blunt the impact of the coronavirus. But right now, 17 million people have lost their jobs. It's going to be well over 20 million tomorrow morning about this time when the new unemployment numbers come out. The only thing growing exponentially in this country is unemployment. Sports needs to get back. We need sports back to normal, and we need the country back to normal. Yesterday, Donald Trump was talking about it. He's put together his own committee that includes many commissioners and owners to figure out when the appropriate time to return is. Here is what that sounded like yesterday. In sports, we want to get our sports back. So importantly, these will be some separate calls. Some will be together, by the way, lists, and some will be separate. But we have to get our sports back. I'm tired of watching baseball games that are 14 years old. The NBA, Adam Silver, the Major League Baseball, we miss our baseball. This is baseball season right here. Rob Manford, thank you very much. NFL, Roger Goodell, thank you, Roger. UFC, Dana White, great Dana White. PGA, Jay Moynihan. LPGA, Michael Wan. USTA, Patrick Galbraith. Major League Soccer, Don Garber, WWE, the great Vince McMahon, NASCAR, Lisa Kennedy, thank you, Lisa, NHL, Gary Bettman, from the New England Patriots, Bob Kraft, Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban. So that is the group. Credit to Donald Trump for putting together a good roster of different minds when it comes to sports and how to get it back but we bring in the Cali crew when you guys see Ron DeSantis saying hey we want things going on in Florida we want Mickelson and uh, Tiger Woods to potentially play against each other PGA events NASCAR events WWE events they actually tag Dana White on Twitter and say bring your UFC event here And in California, they're trying to shut down everything in the world of sports. Seems like Florida's sending the right message to me, and and California is sending the wrong message. Are you guys with me? We're nervous here because the national lockdown date was until the beginning of May. Here, it's already been extended to May 15th. Right. So that scared a lot of people. And um, a friend of mine, she has two daughters. She told me yesterday, she said, I swear to God, if that time of the the year where we find out who our kids' new teachers are going to be for the new school year, if I find out it's me again, <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed. And I was laughing. It, it, already, Californians are on edge. We've yeah. been on edge for weeks. Now, to compound things, and this is nothing compared to those who are sick or have lost their jobs, but 
it's just been a weird situation here because on top of having to stay inside our places, which let's be honest, we don't have a lot of square footage here in California unless you're super wealthy. We are similar to New York and San Francisco in the way that every square foot costs a fortune. So you're stuck in a little apartment and you can't go outside. And then on top of things, it's been raining here for weeks and weeks. So we got that Seattle effect going on as well, where I find myself listening to alternative rock music like I'm Kurt Cobain's yeah, cousin. Yeah, old school. Yeah, 90s alternative rock bumping from my my speakers. It's just been so weird and in a strange situation. And now to find out that my friends and family can't go back to work and that maybe we won't have our NFL teams playing that's that's just too much. People, In the state. Many meltdowns have been going on around us already by certain people that can't handle staying inside. This is a very active state. People love being outdoors. I pray that once April ends and, and we get into May and past May 15th, I can't see this going into the, the following month. If we go into June like this in California, people are going to riot here. I, here's what I would say. I think that sports is an interesting window into the way that different governors are handling this situation. Florida, who by the way, they've ripped Ron DeSantis to shreds in the media, the governor, because he happens to be a Republican, and Gavin Newsom has gotten praised because he happens to be a Democrat. Meanwhile, down in Texas, Greg Abbott has done a better job per capita than any major state in the country, and most of you haven't even heard his name because Texas has done such a good job. They haven't been seeking all the acclaim. But Ron DeSantis, to me, this is a great window. He comes straight out and says, we want your sports, not with you know big crowds present, But we'll get the WWE back. We think it's significant to have a sense of normalcy in this country. We'll get the WWE back. We'd like for NASCAR to come down here and do an event. We're open to Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods doing their event, the PGA in general. And oh, by the way, we're going to hop on Twitter and pitch to Dana White the idea of doing his UFC. He doesn't need an island. He's got Florida. Meanwhile, California is shutting Dana White down. How is not that not a perfect metaphor for the way that people are responding to this event? California is, I saw the, I couldn't believe this. I saw the, the mayor, was it Garcetti of LA? And he was encouraging people to call and turn people in if he saw groups of people like snitch on people. Because they're out jogging together or because they're playing on a playground with their kids? I'm like, what kind of world are we creating where we are encouraging people to turn in other people who are out on a jogging trail or trying to get down to the beach because they're going stir crazy? It's emblematic of what California is doing compared to Florida that they right now are saying, no, 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 the UFC, we don't want you to do any events. Otherwise, this event would be going on Saturday. And I believe the Dana Whites of the world should be encouraged. We need to get back to normalcy. We got to get the economy back rolling. We got to get people back working. And when I see all of a sudden this shift from, I mean, think about it. It's a significant shift and a lot of people aren't pointing it out. We need to go lock down so we don't overload the hospitals. Okay, I'm buying in. 
We haven't overloaded the hospitals. We've peaked. We aren't going to overload the hospitals anywhere. We aren't going to run out of ventilators. We aren't going to run out of hospital beds. We got to go back to work. We can't shelter forever. This country was built on work. It's time to go back to work. And it's time for sports to lead the way back to work. It's time for governors like Ron DeSantis to say, get in here and put your product on. We'll let you do it. You're essential. The exact opposite of what I'm seeing out of California. Dub, are you with me? Is this crazy? I mean, the UFC would be going on this weekend if they had made the decision to go to Florida instead of California. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think sports is so unique. I think it can lead the way for more people to feel like things are coming back to normal, and that, I think, will lead to things actually becoming back to normal. So Florida, they're welcome for me to host every single sporting event possible. PGA, NASCAR, WWE, UFC, whatever it takes, because I think sports are so important for people just to feel like things are going in the right direction. Not only that, to me, the number one goal that every governor should have is letting everyone know that he is open for business or she is open for business. We want you to come here. We want you to bring your business here. We want you to employ our people. We are open for business. Gavin Newsom is saying straight up to sports, we're not open for business. In Santa Clara, the politician said, oh, I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to play here till after Thanksgiving. Okay, well, I'm moving the 49ers if I own that team. I'm not sitting out a season in the NFL because some loser trying to think of the word I can say without having FCC violations in Santa Clara, California is all up in arms about whether or not the 49ers are going to play. If I'm in LA, I got a brand new stadium, SoFi Stadium, and I got two teams, the Chargers and the Rams, and you're telling me I can't play events, not even with crowds present. They're saying you can't even do events without crowds present. That's what they said to the UFC. I'm sorry, California, you are whiffing here. And if I'm waking up in California right now, I'm like, what in the world are my political leaders doing to us? It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Props to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for getting things done. Shameful, I think, the way that Gavin Newsom is trying to continue to grab power in California and keep everybody locked up. We got to get back to work. We got to get back to work sooner rather than later. You know who's always working? Petros Papadakis. He's going to join us next. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly 
Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. You make every play, you call every shot, from choosing trusted financial products to deciding how much and how long to invest, GameBridge puts the power in your hands. No wonder they've earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Petros Papadakis with us now. Petros, I'm sorry. I apologize for bumping you yesterday for Peter King. I didn't didn't expect that I would have to uh, verbally murder a man on the radio for all of you listening out there. Uh, I saw it coming when I woke up and I started to see the Twitter exchange around 4.50 Pacific time in the morning yesterday. So I took appropriate action and just... uh, said it's okay not that it matters if i think it's okay or not but uh i i enjoyed the interview and then uh struggled to go back to sleep you know i i I kind of sometimes think should i fire back or not fire back at people and peter king has been ripping me in his column literally for years now and then this yesterday morning when i woke up my alarm went off i had been tagged by a bunch of people um and uh, peter king had just taken a shot at me on social media again and so i decided to fire back and man how I, many it, laps have you taken as far as victory laps today cuz well, i remember jim leland's victory lap when he went around when he won with the marlins and yeah like shook everybody's hand and it got a little bit gratuitous and then he went and smoked like a pack of cigarettes but you've probably run at least 
a mile and a half of victory laps. Well, let me, let me take another laps. one here. You're going to love this. So Peter King has not tweeted hardly at all since we verbally murdered him on the show yesterday. And if you haven't heard it, you need to download the podcast. Peter King came on. Uh, the opening question on the podcast was, why do you not like me? Uh, which is always a good, I've never, I don't really know Peter King, but he hates me. Um, so he said he's got a new podcast uh, that, that's dropping. All right. He sent this last night. Here are the responses. I have lost all respect for you, Peter King, with me tagged. Facts are greater than your feelings. Peter, I like you and your column, but wow, that was a bad interview with Clay Travis. You need to bring some facts next time, not just your opinions. I would have thought the crisis... Okay, continuing. No Clay Travis for round two. Joke. Uh, Good. Stick to the draft where you need to be and provide legit reporting. Congrats, Petey. Clay Travis owns you. Peter, uh, you lost me at Peter King. Uh, all of the, all of his comments are people saying that not anything on the most dangerous man of your lifetime, the same man who is the most anti-war president we have ever had. Peter lived through the Cold War. Uh, Khrushchev, Castro, they aren't the most dangerous. Uh, good move, Pete. Stick with sports, not politics. Bunch of people giving him emojis and saying he's a clown. Time well, I always enjoy a Nikita Khrushchev call. Yeah, there you go. Clay destroyed you, Peter. Talk about being unprepared for debate. I actually felt bad for you. Get help. Anything about getting your ass handed to you this morning? We don't all live in New York. You, Some of us need a job. Get a, get a clue. Destroyed, embarrassed, humil- humiliated, crushed, abused, made a fool of. Just a few words to describe what Clay Travis did to you this morning, Peter King. I mean, all those are all the responses. I literally just went down and read the responses. Peter King's entire timeline is you guys in OutKick telling him that he looked like a fool yesterday on our radio program. Yeah, it didn't seem that he had a, a great deal of support on his side of it for Twitter, but that's kind of part of it. And I'm a football analyst, you know. That's that's, uh, but that's the part of it in this uh, whole whatever we're dealing with now. I, I hate, you know, because we say it over and over again in these difficult times, you know, in the age we're living in and all this crap. But uh, the one thing I really hate is just how politicized this has become. Yeah. And it's just nauseating. And it really is on both sides because people that are on the left tend to not know when this will end and not really because I live in California and the governor just keeps kicking the can down the road and really uses a lot of vagaries and doesn't tell anybody anything and says no time soon, not likely to have sports, you know, all these different things. And that really alarms people. I mean, not just the sports, but this is a sports show, but, yeah. you know, just well, life in general. But then it, it's also larger society. Yeah, but it's also alarming, you know, to think that people are going to open things back up and, and there's some people might get sick again. I mean, but, but I mean, it, it probably lies in the middle somewhere, the right thing to do. But we're so clouded by our own hate for each other these days and our own, uh, I guess, desire or need to score political points that, 
you know, all this rhetoric we're using, we're all in this together and hashtag wash your hands and hashtag wear your mask and hashtag take care of your neighbor. It's about 50-50. I mean, people are screaming at each other in the streets. People are running around with measuring tape and berating each other. I got douchebags driving around my neighborhood in Porsches like Wesley in freaking Roadhouse going 90 on the wrong side of the road because they feel unchallenged. You know, it's it's a weird deal. And I'm getting pissed off. Yeah, look, I think there are a lot of people. Here's my take, and I think you're right. I think the way that we solve this is, first of all, come May 1st, reasonable people, politicians need to be reasonable, and they need to come out and say, look, if you feel like you are still in danger, you don't have to go to work. There's no requirement that anybody work in this country. Most people work because they need to make a living. If you're fortunate enough that you don't have to work or you don't want to work, you stay in your house. Nobody's making you get out of your bed, get out of your house. You can stay in there as long as you want, as long as you have the resources to allow it. But most of us have to get up and work in the morning and deciding whether or not to go to a job is a luxury we don't have. And come May 1, in most parts of the country, I understand like if you're in New York, the rules may be different because they had an outbreak that's totally different than anybody else in the New York City and that surrounding community. But the vast majority of the people listening to me right now, regardless of what state they are in, are not in any imminent danger. And danger is a part of life. I mean, if you never leave your house, odds are you're probably going to be fine, but also odds are you're going to have a really boring life. And so... If you want fear to curtail your ability to get out of bed and go anywhere in the morning, you have that right. But you should also have the right to open your door, go outside, and start to make a living again. And I think that's where we got to be. And I, I know you're in California. Like, I'm troubled. I don't blame Disney for buckling to the political pressure that they got put on them over the UFC and whether Dana White was going to have his event on April 18th. But I'm troubled by the idea that that event didn't happen because Florida is now saying, hey, we want NASCAR to come do an event. Not with crowds. We want the WWE to do their event. Hey, UFC, we want you here. PGA, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are both from California. Tiger moved to Florida because he didn't want to pay the tax rates. Phil has said, hey, they're breaking a lot of things in California. We got to be open for business. And so I'm fired up about this. I know you're in California. But sports is a part of getting business back up and running. When you're shutting down the UFC, to me, that is a sign of your overall uh, comportment in general. We got to get back to work. Well, there's a lot, so much gray area, you know, because uh, a lot of people are very restless. There's no doubt about it. But if it's not okay for us to stand next to each other and buy salt at the supermarket when everybody's wearing masks and gloves and everybody's are still everybody's still looking at each other in a distrustful way, then how the hell is it safe for a bunch of athletes to get together and play sports? Now I don't know if it is or it isn't and, and I would you know, if I was a young athlete I'm not sure I would be super worried about it. I'd probably just want to pay uh play and get paid. But uh if if it's not safe for us to to, to gather uh in like in tens or twelves, how is it safe for people to get together and play a sport? Well, you I know, think that's the I gray think big, area that they they haven't made that clear 
to us. You know, uh, no one really has. And I'll tell you about living in California that sucks. You know, I live in an area that's got trails and stuff. You know, yeah. people walk on it. They are patrolling the trails. That's crazy. And giving people tickets. That's they are pulling insane. people out of the ocean and giving them tickets. And I don't think, you know, I don't think those things are going to hold up in court later in I, life. I, you I, know. I agree with you. Look, this happened in my neighborhood. Um, we have playgrounds, right? And they they taped the playgrounds up and said, you can't go on the playgrounds with kids anymore. And I'm like, come on. I understand if there's like 100 kids on the playground simultaneously. But if parents go and your kids play and then somebody else goes and everything else, like this is crazy nanny state. It's a very confusing thing. It is indeed. Petros, I appreciate you getting up early with us. Uh, this has been OutKick. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Listen to Petros Papadakis' show. It's fantastic. AM 570 LA Sports, the Petros and Money Show. He'll be with you this afternoon. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.